what is real and why does it matter? <laughs> well, I mean, dude, the answer to that question is super deep. You mentioned Robert Ann Wilson. <laughs> Have you read The Cosmic Trigger? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a that's a good intro into the the nature of reality being only a mental construct. It's a 3D projected hologram developed by our brain based on data input to our sensory organs filtered through our thalamus, which is the eye of Horus sent out to other areas of the brain that make a composite based on your sensory perceptual abilities neurologically and a composite of the emotional experiences that you've had in the past and your limbic system and then your neocortex and your limbic system team up together and create a three-dimensional hologram that has an emotional attachment to it simultaneously in real time so what is real <laughs> nothing <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Mike Adelic, of course, as you know, because it's the thing that you're listening to right now. I'm not really quite sure uh, how you would be listening to this and not know what it is. Surprise, Mike Adelic. That would be a cool way to get podcasts in front of people. Like somebody is, uh, you know, scrolling on their phone and they see, uh, oh, a new podcast from uh, Radio Lab, and then they like turn on Radio Lab and it's just like, hey, it's Mike Adelic and I'm talking to Savage and uh, we're blowing your mind with like facts about reality and consciousness and DNA and psychedelics and medicine and what's up everyone? <laughs> Surprise! Man, that would be a great, that would be great if we could figure out a way to like troll and surprise people through other podcasts. All right, honey, let's uh, let's get into bed tonight and relax and listen to that podcast that we were planning on listening to together, This American Life. Hey, what's up? It's Savage and Mike Bragatelli here. We're talking about, yeah, you get the picture. You get the gist. Anyway, so that's that's who I am. This is what this is. This is Mike Adelic, and I'm Mike Bragatelli, and you're you. And that was Savage, the guy that we just heard in the beginning. And then the music is also Savage. And this is just an awesome conversation, and I want to get right into it. And uh, this, this conversation happened, I think, maybe a week and a half ago or maybe two weeks ago. And so if you are a Patreon person, if you are part of the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Patreon, then you get access to the, this full podcast, commercial-free, ad-free, intro-free, the raw, unedited podcast goes up live after the recording, live to tape, folks. That's, that's what they 
did back in the day in the biz. We're doing it live to tape. Sometimes I say folks on this show. I don't know why I say that. I only say it here. I don't say it anywhere else. What, 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 what do I think? I'm Obama or something? Well, we, there's a lot of good, good folks down there. There's, remember when he said we tortured from, we, uh, we, we did torture some folks. We had some folks and we tortured them folks. Folks came down and they ate some pie. Then they got tortured and they went bye-bye. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, this is a dope-ass podcast, and what I'm trying to say is that, like, you get early release access to the full ad-free, commercial-free uh, show, plus the video of it uh, right away on Patreon. If you're a $5 tier member and up, yeah, that's, that's what you get. You also get access to the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat which is great. Uh, it's, it's people from all around the world talking, comparing notes, telling stories, sharing music, all that kind of stuff. So check that out. Big shout out to everybody that leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you do. Just, just show some love if you, if you dig the show. It really helps for people out there that want to get into this kind of stuff, but they didn't know about it. So the more popular that we can get, the more we can get in front of people that uh, might not know about any of the things that we're talking about here, which is, which is the goal. We want to build bridges. We want to get more people on this, on this arc. Uh, Got to give a shout out to my sponsor, WaveBlock. WaveBlock is blocking waves, okay? They're uh, EMF reducing stickers that you put on your phone and your AirPods. They're little teeny tiny stickers made with technology and science that do things together that I don't really know how it works, but I saw a YouTube video of a guy with an EMF detection reader thing, and it was going bananas next to a pair of AirPods and phone. So I'm sold, you know, I'm convinced. And why not? For like 20 bucks, you save 20% off when you put in the code Mikeadelic. Get yourself some WaveLock stickers, you know, uh, or, or don't, you know, or, or remain to be controlled by the uh, reptilian overlords that rule us from the core of the earth, uh, sending out harmful radiation signals through our technology. Your choice, really. You know. Uh, so yeah, WaveBlock, 20% off, Mycadelic. That's the thing to do. They're great. I love them. I feel better. feel protected against the uh, global elite reptilian cabal. And uh, I just uh, generally like their product. It's just good. So that's it for that. Uh, I will say I got a solo podcast coming out soon. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about some things that I'm going to be doing, but not going to talk about that now. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that another time. Wow. This is a short intro. It's only five minutes. I mean, typically I go 10, so I could just sit here and just ramble on as an incentive to join the Patreon to get the ad-free, commercial-free, raw, unedited, early release podcast episodes with video. Um, but I, you know, I mean, remember when, uh, you know, remember when, when there was a, a TGIF, uh, lineup on television, remember those days, remember when you had to dial, okay, you get the point. All right. Well, much love to all you people out there. I love, uh, I love all of you that support this show that, that write to me. Oh, I'm off social media, so I'm not really on, I'm, I'm checking Instagram from my laptop. So if you want to get in touch with me, mikeadelicpod at gmail.com is the best way. 
I'm switching over to Proton email, but I'm like, I mean, I have it already. I just, I'm not like used to it yet. So uh, that's it. Enjoy this episode with the one and only Savage. So where are you? Uh, wow, what a beautiful background you got there. Oh, thank you. This is um, my studio. Best area where all the all the jams get made. That's where the magic happens. That is a bookcase, actually. Thing's super dope. Plan on getting. Oh, that's a bookcase. Yeah, yeah. It's a life-size replica of King Tut's sarcophagus, but it, it opens. The, that's where I keep like my journals and all my favorite books and stuff. So you got a a, a life-size replica of King Tut's sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I hope to hollow it out and be buried in it one day. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what um where are you coming from right now? I am from Louisiana in the swamps of Louisiana, but uh I recently just bought a house in a little sanctuary out here on the lake in Mississippi right across the border. Uh during the height of the COVID situation, I was feeling the apocalypse vibes and I was already wanting to get out from where I was at and I was like, Man, this spot looks dope. So we picked it up and here I am. So I'm like literally in the middle of nowhere. Cool. Yeah. What, what drew you over there? What was uh, exciting about the space? It just had everything that I enjoy all contained in one spot. Uh, it's super, super chill and lax. I'm not a city boy, like at all. I got mad respect for people who can like keep up in that, you know, environment, but like, I need kind of like my nature and my Zen, like right here. I don't want to have to travel for it. So, um, that plus I, I, like to fish and i can fish out of my backyard now so that's good we got a little 400 acre uh freshwater lake right behind us so it's pretty nice beautiful well congrats on the new space oh thank you i've been really enjoying it yeah it's so necessary i uh i hear you i i lived in new york city for about eight years uh i grew up just outside of the city and after I went to Peru for the first time, I came back and I was just like, man, I can't do this. This is, this is crazy. Really? This is nuts. Where are you yeah. at now? I'm in Denver, Colorado. Oh, sick. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've only been up there one time. Uh, luckily, it was during summer. I went for Spangle's last live show at Red Rocks with Cozy mm. and Spangle and Desert Dwellers, and it was dope. I want to go back. I'm playing a festival out there uh, this fall in Durango. I believe. Oh, hell yeah, hours. dude. Yeah, yeah. Unison Fest. You're playing Unison? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I went last year. The first it was the first one and uh my first time back in a proper festival setting. I will say it is a proper festival setting that they've That's created there. Yeah. That's what I heard. I heard the vibes were impeccable. Actually, Matt is the one that told me about it. Sweet. And then yeah, they hit me up a few weeks ago. We locked everything in and I'll be there. Hell yeah. Well, I'll be there too, for sure. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great one. Um, yeah, I've really yeah. been looking forward to going back to Colorado. Like I said, I've only been once and it's sad because I loved it so much and uh, I want to check it out. I mean, I was one of those people who went there one time and was like, oh my God, I have to live here like everybody else. And then I'm just like, 
thinking about my Louisiana bones in the winter months. I'm like, yeah, it's all fun and games until November gets here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just got dumped on like almost two feet of snow last yesterday oh, and God, last night. Dude. So I was just outside, like I'm all like dirty and shit from like shoveling and doing stuff. Yeah, that's 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 definitely uh, a, a negative aspect, I would say. But but it checked all the boxes for me when I first moved here. But now being here after like three years, I'm like, man, I kind of miss like being near water, like being being close to an ocean. That would be cool. And I love the I love the jungle. I mean, uh, Costa Rica, Peru, those are two of my favorite yeah. places that I've that I've spent a good deal of time in. Um, and yeah, you as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually just got back from Costa. Uh, I just got back from Mexico. Actually, I got back from Costa late December. I'm going back to Costa to play this really cool event on April 1st. I just got locked in yesterday. And uh, actually, I have like some really close friends down there who are looking to build like a commune and have the means to do it and a really cool community that they're looking to to build up and, and permanently live there. And it's super tempting. So <laughs> it might be in the cards for me in the in the not too distant future but yeah i love it out there uh i will say i do agree with some of my friend's sentiment as far as like the culture of mexico being more interesting but the landscapes of costa being more interesting yeah uh but yeah after i just spent at a crazy week in mexico dude like we did the craziest shit and took a hot air balloon ride over teotihuacan and the pyramid of the sun the pyramid of the moon sunrise dropped into some medicine in the hot air balloon that was wild <laughs> oh, like directly over the pyramid of the sun it was, it was amazing and then uh recorded some amazing vocals i did some throat singing two of my friends did some awesome singing uh at some sacred sites where we sat down with my field recorder and mic and recorded some stuff and uh it was wild week but yeah i really love the food and the culture over there like i'm from louisiana dude so like usually when i travel it is not food that impresses me and right. like when i spent some time in mexico city i was like damn because i was under i was unaware it was like considered the food capital of the world and i get it now so if i could bring mexican mexico city to costa rica that'd be like paradise Right. Yeah. It's, uh, we're looking for the, all these like perfect spots and, and sometimes, you know, you, ch you could check like eight or nine of the boxes, but yeah, right. both great, great places. And I agree with you. Yeah. There's like a rich culinary and cultural history that's, that's, that's deep and spicy, just like the sort of like, you know, Cajun and Creole type, uh, flavor of Louisiana that you don't get anywhere else. Hundred uh, so, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was coming off of two months of under 20 grams of carbs a day. I was running keto for a bit, and I went straight to Mexico City for a week, straight, like, went back to eating carbs. So that was already, like, a tortilla is like a crack rock at that point. So I was just, like, <laughs> when I was eating that good Mexico City food, it was, like, a spiritual experience every time we went out to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it seems like I, I have a lot of friends, too, that are – doing things in Costa Rica and running retreats and, you know, same, same thing with in, in Peru as well. Like I just talked to my friend who's running dietas down the sacred Valley and both those locations. You know, I haven't been to Mexico in a long time actually, but I do have friends there as well. You mentioned uh, the, the, the pyramids um, 
what which one was that again so that's the that's the site at teotihuacan which is the pyramid of the sun the pyramid of the moon and the temple of quetzalcoatl right um this site is super cool i mean you know for a while it was attributed to the aztecs but now we know that the aztecs simply stumbled on it um and we don't really know much about the people who actually built it and who lived there for a much longer period of time before it was stumbled upon by the Aztecs. Their language was kind of lost, but I mean, the, the technological implications of this site are insane. And there is a tunnel system underneath the temple of Quetzalcoatl and there's a chamber in the, in the center of the tunnel. And, uh, essentially the walls of this tunnel system, which is multiple hundred feet long and it's like 15 meters underground. It's like 50 feet below the earth. And the, the walls of the tunnel are lined with powdered pyrite, like fool's gold. So when you are walking through it with a light or a torch, it looks like you're walking through the cosmos. It's like stars everywhere around you. And they also have cinnabar on the walls, which is, if you're unaware, it's like Cinnabar is mercury sulfate. It's basically the the curse of a lot of old tombs and stuff because when you touch, they would put it all on the tombs and stuff. And when you would touch it and breathe it in, you would essentially go nuts for up to two months hallucinating and whatnot and then die of heavy metal poisoning. So, uh, yeah. So, but in the center of the tunnel, it splits off into the four directions, north, south, east, west, and it's directly mathematically centered underneath the temple of Quetzalcoatl. And when they discovered the tunnel, which happened through rain, opening up a giant hole in the ground, like a manhole, dude, it was like a few feet wide, perfectly circular. And archaeologist Sergio Gomez dropped clean down into it and found this place and just like he ended up winning a bunch of awards and stuff. And uh, in so there was 23, 22 or 23 walls blocking the entrance to the chamber the center chamber of this tunnel so from the entrance of the tunnel down here way back here here's the temple of quetzalcoatl a few hundred feet away you walk a straight shaft and then um there was 22 or 23 walls blocking it so they ended up knocking them down very recently a few years ago like 28 16 or 18 and uh that opened up to the center chamber and in this chamber they found more artifacts than any other archaeological site that's ever been discovered there was over 130,000 artifacts in this chamber and there were pools of liquid mercury in the bottom of the chamber which is mind-boggling to me considering a lot of the stuff I've read about liquid mercury in ancient times and you know dealing dealing with even weirder stuff like propulsion systems for extraterrestrial crafts and whatnot but um and there was these four statues so the center chamber of this tunnel represented the center of the cosmos the whole tunnel was like a map of the cosmos to the teotihuacan people so super interesting and uh but yeah and so i posted a video on my instagram also um i don't know if you saw it but when i was there just like the mayan pyramid at chichen itza um, when you stand in front of the pyramid of the moon, there are these smaller little temple uh, structures uh, on either side. And when you clap, your clap, the sound of it slides up these structures and creates this wild echo slash reverberation that sounds almost exactly like the Quetzal bird, which was the sacred bird of the Mayans and the Aztecs. And uh, so I got a video of myself. I've seen this clap happening 
on YouTube for years now. So when we got there and I was told this site also does that, I was like, no way I have to go give this a shot. So sure enough, dude, it's a loud, crazy echo. That's just like, whenever you clap and it sounds just like a bird, it's nuts. Did you record that? Oh yeah. It's on video. It's on, it's on my, I recorded it with my field recorder and my, my video camera. It's on my Instagram. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I've been taking a, uh, well, I took an Instagram detox essentially because nice. I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. So now, now I just plug in on my laptop to like check messages and stuff, but yeah, I'll check that out. Um, I had to do it, man. I had to do it. I was just too, like, I didn't even realize how hooked I was, like how distracted I was getting. Yeah. And I had to, I had to just delete Instagram off my phone and just like, get rid of that impulse and do like a dopamine reset. Yeah. It's been great. I, I really love it. Now I can kind of plug back in and just use it for what I need to use it for. So, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I, I was using this app called Opal for a little while that like straight runs a VPN on your phone and you can choose what hours of the day it'll straight up block certain apps from accessing the internet. So like it can disable Facebook and Instagram and stuff. I found that to be like a little bit annoying, but now I just use this, uh, this app called forest it's a you're familiar with the pomodoro method yeah productivity yeah. 25 yeah, minutes yeah. and then a break. Yeah. so this app's called forest and like it's like four bucks and whenever you click start on the timer it plants a tree for you and you choose like these different types of trees and basically you work for 25 minutes and if you leave it or you pick up your phone and like touch anything and get out the app your tree dies but like when you get through the whole 25 minutes you got a tree and so over time you're growing a forest of these trees and it's like showing you your tree collection i find that kind of fun and i've been using it when i'm making music and stuff are they real trees no 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 it's like a like a digital tree oh, okay that'd be dope if like someone was planting those trees yeah. and there's like some no, guy waiting no. like wait a second we might kill this tree <laughs> yeah yeah no no it's it's, it's just cool because it gives you a little visual representation of the times that you remain focused and we're you know in that flow zone yeah oh man so good to be in that flow zone Love, I love getting in that space. Yeah, I imagine yeah. that's that's probably how you make some of your best music, right? Is well, like I mean, getting in that thousand, state. Thousand percent, a thousand percent. I, I mean, it's required, honestly. Um, and you know, electronic music production is unique in the sense that, like, a lot of activities that we would consider to be like pure flow uh generally don't really engage that, like, you know, what we call left brain, like that logical portion as much as it engages the you know right hemisphere or creative aspects of our cognition but music production like kind of retains a balance of using both because like you're dealing with a computer and audio engineering and like very technical things while also having to engage like pure creativity and so there's a bunch of tricks and you know just production methods that kind of help keep you in that creative zone where you don't feel like you're on a computer it's uh, why I have like a lot of the gear that I have. It's why I use Ableton, the program I produce in, because it helps me. You know, it's designed to keep you in that flow state. So when I'm when I'm unable to get into that flow when I'm in a studio session, I mean, it, like whatever I'm making is trash. It, that's just it is what it is. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's all about finding that that perfect balance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I see that. Yeah. You. you we call it the ancient future for other people talk about that. I really like that a lot. And then I saw you had a playlist too, the ancient future playlist on Spotify. Yeah. Really like that term. What, what do you like about ancient future? 
Man, me too, man. Honestly, honestly, for the last couple of years, when people ask me to describe my music or what kind of music do you make or whatever, like, dude, I don't have any idea what to say. I, I don't, I don't know. Ancient future is the best way I can boil it down into the fewest words to where it kind of conveys something. It's like there's like flutes, but then there's like 808s and then some throat singing and then a bunch of pieces from a hundred different cultures. And then, but it's also groovy and you can dance to it, but you could also like sip some ayahuasca to it. Like None of that makes any <laughs> sense. So ancient future just feels right and fits, you know? Yeah, it does. It does feel right and fit. And it brings to mind, you know, when you're talking about the these pyramids and the and the temples, and there's a there's an ancient past that we're aware of, right? That oh. uh, you know maybe we were taught in school and things like that. Sort of, I guess, like the mainstream general consensus of like how far back this shit goes. And then there's like something else. Totally, it's like wait a second, what was happening before that shit? And that's where I feel like sort of that ancient future comes into play because I believe that there were that we have had a period of time on on this planet where there was advanced technology merged with magical and shamanistic practices in a in a in a harmony and then lost our way that kind of like got erased. Uh, but now maybe we're sort of like remembering all that shit again and being like, wait a second. Totally, totally. I mean, these these are the these are the questions that keep me up at night, dude. And um, you know, people like Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson are unraveling our textbook history. Uh, they won't be recognized for it for a few decades, probably, because oftentimes, like, dude, science is such a political organization; it's unbelievable, and it's really an ism, like scienceism. I forget who was like breaking down that concept, but it really yeah. helped Rupert me Sheldrake. It. Okay, yeah, and yeah. It, it really is just a belief system and those beliefs become antiquated as at the, you know, people of new evidence, et cetera. And, you know, what seems to be undeniable is that around 12,800 years ago, we went through a extinction, extinction level event that was likely caused by a comet and that likely incited what we call the great flood. And I've, you know, I've been researching this for years. And while obviously I can't say anything as an absolute fact, what seems to happen is that this flood has happened numerous times, almost cyclically, not almost cyclically. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it seems to be some type of, you know, whether it's a natural random occurrence seems less likely to me than that it's a cyclical pattern of nature. And it's a pattern of resetting. It, I mean, we're culturing human beings on the surface of this planet. It's no different than culturing mycelium in a Petri dish. Like at some point it needs to be reset, especially if we haven't gotten it right to where we can live in harmony with the natural forces and natural laws that we're embedded in. So, um, you know, I mean, it makes sense to me whether, whether it's again, whether there's some kind of metaphysical aspect to this or some pattern of the universe or whether it's just every so often a comet smokes us because that's just how it works in space you know i don't know but what what seems to be evidentiary from geological evidence archaeological evidence is that twelve thousand eight hundred years ago this happened and the water the surface of most of the earth was covered in miles deep of water that was flowing unbelievably fast so uh these patterns can be seen in the geology when you zoom out in numerous places randall carlson has really nailed this down 
um, in a way that's really undeniable. And it's sad because, you know, these types of guys, because they don't, they're not part of the, the good old boys club of science, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. And like Graham Hancock is not even, uh, he doesn't claim to be a scientist. He calls himself a reporter. That's what he is. He's just bringing to light, a, piecing together a bunch of different works of other archaeologists who have been doing this shit for decades. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy though, man. I love to think about it because to your point, like it's very obvious that, and the word technology here is a bit broad because we can describe the things that we're seeing today as technology, like the great pyramids at Giza, et cetera, all these other crazy sites with crazy features, but they also imply a deeper level of technology that we probably or at least haven't yet found in a way that's evidentiary, you know what I mean? So I don't know, man, but it's like, man, what did they have? What was the capstone of the pyramid at Giza made of? Where did it go? How did they get built? How is it possible that the, that the, uh, architecture of these cultures who apparently didn't have any means of communication all, um, you know, were building similar style structures. What did they do? Why did they have aquifers underneath them? What did that do? We know Nikola Tesla was experimenting with a very similar technology. So what did these structures do? Because they clearly had a function. I mean, it's pretty much consensus at this point, I would say that the King's chamber and the great pyramid at Giza was a darkness chamber. It was an initiation chamber where people experienced darkness, essentially a darkness retreat. And then many people were initiated there. Something else that's interesting is that there's a shaft that stretches multiple hundred feet that essentially lets in on certain days of the year only the light of the star Sirius. Mm. What was their connection to Sirius? Why are all these other cultures connected to Sirius when they shouldn't right. even know? How did the Dogons know that Sirius was a binary star system? That makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. If we if we understand their technological capabilities as what the current scientific consensus is that makes no sense. There's nothing to account for the fact that that culture knew Sirius was a binary star system, which we just proved what, like in the last hundred years, I think, and that they knew that the planets were spherical and that we were in a solar system because, uh, European culture still thought we were the middle of the universe until a few hundred years ago. So, you know, none of this yeah. makes any sense, but I mean, we can only hope that one day we get answers, but you know, it's kind of fun to have a little mystery game to play and it makes life less boring, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh it's a, I like to think of it almost as like a trail of breadcrumbs, right. you know, has been, has been left, you know, or like in, uh movies they you know they just talk about like easter eggs you know or video games like there's little easter eggs to be discovered exactly. around um and it's i think it's it's a part of of remembering you know for us too totally. like we're all kind of like there's a lot of people around the planet right now that are just you know waking up and, and remembering and i guess that's sort of what i would equate like waking up in air quotes like too totally. uh is this deep sense of knowing you know either through an altered state uh, experience plant medicine, any kind of sacred earth medicine that, that can facilitate that. Yeah. I'm curious to get your take on this. For me, it is always kind of like a welcoming home or like a remembering, Oh yeah. Remember this, remember that. And then to your point about, 
you know the the cyclical nature of time it would seem that that we exist in a in a realm of of patterns and repetitions totally. uh, and rhythm right totally this is why i tuned my music to 432 hertz you know a lot of people think that that's woo woo but i did not do that because i read it on some wake up blog i do it because i've been looking at these patterns specifically the procession of the equinox, the great year th through the 12 zodiacal ages, 25,920 years. And all of the math boils down and this number 432 is everywhere in these ratios and in this math. When you boil down the rotation of the earth, the wobbling of the earth's axis, which is what causes the procession of the equinox as we know it. And all of these things, that number is, is rampant. And, um, I mean, what were you asking me? You're curious my take on? Yeah, I get the 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 link between psychedelic or altered state experiences, which cause us to come into a deep sense of knowing or remembering, oh, yeah, yeah. and then the the sort of patterning or familiarity that we experience. Let's yeah. say with like fractals and stuff, and then how that is happening on like a large scale, like you're just like you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And essentially like fractal mathematics is, is what I'm describing with the procession of the equinox and these cycles of time. It's no different. It's the same thing boiled down. And, and, you know, my personal take on what we're experiencing under the effect of really in particular tryptamines is that we are directly bridging the gap between the conscious and the subconscious minds and allowing a direct interfacing with our genetic material, mm. which I believe that our non-coding genetic material, the 99 point whatever percent that does not translate into proteins and 3D print our physical bodies into being, contains something of a story, whether that's our lineage, our generational story, whether it's, you know, deals with past lives. I don't know. I can't really nail, nail that down. But junk DNA, as we call it, because that's what we call anything we don't understand, follows something called Zipf's Law of Language, Z-I-P-F, named after the guy that discovered this law of language, Zipf's Law of Language to the T. This was studied by MIT. And what that is, it's basically a syntactical studying of the frequency of the occurring of words and the structure of syntax in a language and it's universal across all languages in any text you look at etc like the frequency of a certain word will be correlated to the to the next level of frequency etc um but i think that based on my own experiences obviously i'm just speaking for myself because i have been having a series of direct dna experiences for the last eight years since 2014 and like I believe and also a great read that helped me kind of frame this based on other people who are having the same experience is The Cosmic Serpent by Jeremy Narby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My top book of all time. And I don't say that lightly, like because it really helped me get a framework for understanding these DNA experiences I was having and understanding the nature of DNA, which I'm now like totally obsessed with. And uh, but yeah, please tell me more because um. I'm uh I'm very much interested in this. I I was recently talking to somebody about actually it was a artist uh Luke Schroeder. I don't know if you're familiar with with him. Mm -hmm. Uh he was he was on the show not too recently and we were talking about bacteria and the microscopic world and DNA and how a lot of 
trips get depicted as like cosmic and out there. And we we're talking about actually going deep within. So exactly. yeah, I'm curious to know more about this because I I don't know too too much. Yeah, exactly what you were just saying. I was hoping that would get brought up honestly because that's another framework that's been really helpful. Having having like constructed mental frameworks through like absorbing a bunch of different perspectives and drawing a composite is super helpful when you hit the psychedelic space or else it can lead to a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. But, um, sorry, my dog is going off right now, but, uh, so DNA in essence, I mean, obviously is the most perfect language that could exist. Right. And so it's the fundamental underlying code that basically, codes for the language that speaks us into being so the genetic material itself there are it codes for 20 amino acids there are 20 amino acids that create all the proteins that make us up but there's a start code on which is basically a capital letter at the beginning of a sentence and there's a stop code on which is like a period at the end of a sentence so you basically end up with 22 letters right and so these 22 letters which we call amino acids are translated by an amazing molecular machine that we call a ribosome that slides up our genetic material like a zipper and it translates these 22 amino acids into words that we call peptides which are strains of amino acids these are the building blocks of proteins and these peptides are then strung into sentences which we call polypeptides which are strains of peptides and then these polypeptides are strung together and then folded into a very specific geometry which gives it its function and we call those proteins and these proteins make up our entire being so this material which is narrower than the narrowest visible wavelength of light is 3d printing us into being at every moment of every single day and so it's like the most magical thing to me right this is obviously a very magical material Side note, DNA is going to be our storage medium in less than five years, probably our universal storage medium. We're going to move away from hard drives, da da da, because in the volume of a teaspoon of DNA, it can literally be programmed and store as much information as it would take 10 Walmart Supercenter size buildings with our current storage technology to do. People say you could fit the whole internet in a shoebox full of DNA. And the cool thing about it, unlike other technologies that we use for media storage, is that since we're made of it, the technology that we would need to decode it will never become obsolete. So like a cassette player is obsolete, right? The decoding medium for DNA storage will never become obsolete because we will always need to be able to read it because we're made of it. So as we continue genetic work on the genome, da, 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 it'll be a similar technology to what will decode the storage. But... Anyway, this material is, like I said, 3D printing us into being all the time, but only a very minute percentage of it is doing that. The rest of it is doing something else. And I refuse to believe based on experiences and evidence, like I was just talking about following the law of language, that it's random or an accident. I don't think a a code this perfect could ever be an accident, right? But uh yeah i mean i've had dude so many experiences where i'm literally just like engulfed in what i now know to be chromosomes and i zoom in closer and closer and get to individual parts of my genome while i'm going over 
subconscious thought patterns being guided by whatever it is that we call the spirit of ayahuasca, this, you know, motherly energy that's guiding my my train of thought and I'm opening my synapses and rewiring old patterns and beliefs and basically reprogramming myself into a more favorable mental configuration. And, um, as, um, so, okay, well, as far as the zooming in thing, that was a whole nother framework for me because I had the same experiences, particularly, um, I'm going to assume I can openly talk about whatever, Please, here, yes, per- yeah, particularly, yeah. um, with the combination of harmalas, isolated harmalas. So harmine and harmaline, which are the monoamine oxidase inhibitors present in ayahuasca and Syrian rue, um, particularly with the combination of those compounds with vaporized DMT, I have pretty reliable cellular experiences. Um, this is also when I started having the experience of Anubis, which is tattooed on my arm now. Um, but so I would literally be aware through the whole process of zooming in. This is how it didn't even take me long to figure out what I was looking at because of the fact that I was zooming in and I would go through tissues and then I would see like, like tissue, like you're looking at it in a microscope slide where it's just like a conglomeration of cells. And then I would zoom into like the cellular function. And this really gave me, I mean, dude, I'm like trying to like pick out organelles and stuff. Obviously nothing's labeled (laughs) here, but I'm like looking (laughs) for what I can. Right. And then ultimately I would land in the genetic material. So I'm like zooming in the nucleus of a cell ultimately. And then I'm like interfacing. It's like I'm plugging into my genetic material where it seems like I'm able to make changes. And we now know through ayahuasca research that epigenetic changes are being made by regular ayahuasca users. So we know scientifically now this is, we know it's happening. Is that what's happening when I'm zooming in on this? I personally subscribe to that belief and it takes a lot for me to subscribe to a belief like that, but I've, I've experienced it so many times in such a convincing manner and I've experienced so many changes in my life. I think that's what's happening. Now the framework that this helped develop for me was that cellular awareness, life at the cellular level exists at an octave or two below our experience of life, right? So this can be framed as like a a density or a dimension underneath us. This is the dimension of cellular. And then the genetic level is an octave below the cellular level, perhaps, right? So what that helped me frame, which is kind of a little like side field is the bacteria that colonize our GI tract obviously have a massive, massive effect on our life. Like science is just now beginning to understand the gut brain axis on a deep level. This is something that shamanic cultures have known for tens of thousands of years. Um, but so obviously the bacteria that we colonize in our gut, let's say we eat a, a diet high in sugar, uh, this is just an example of like possession, right? The bacteria that we're cultivating, we're culturing bacteria, a species of bacteria that thrives on refined sugars. When we eat a diet high in sugar, we know that's bad for our long-term health, but the bacteria that we were cultivating send chemical signals to our brain that 
are translated through our vagus nerve that force us to crave the sugar, crave their food. They want to get fed. They want to grow. They want to increase their population. They want to survive, you know, da, da, da. And they're literally in that sense, possessing us to do something that we know is detrimental to our long-term health. So you're literally talking about something that is directly parallel to what we are, what shamanic cultures consider like lower vibrational entity attachments, you know, like a, like a bad spirit in you, right. That's possessing you to do things that are bad. Other back. And that's just one example. Other bacteria you can cultivate can cause chronic inflammation, autoimmune conditions like fibromyalgia, which is just a, a term of a set of symptoms that we don't know what it is. We just know like you're kind of feeling shitty all the time and you're chronically inflamed. Other bacteria cause infection, other cause brain infection, other, you know, like the spectrum of what bacteria can do to you is just like mind boggling. So to understand that this life is happening on, and some of these bacteria are almost like an octave underneath cells, because like when you look at, it's difficult to understand the scale of microbiology, the different, the whole spectrum of scales of sizes of these creatures until you see them next to each other. But you can have bacteria that look like almost nothing compared to, you know, a cell, like a white blood cell that's taking it down, you know, whatever. And uh, just really framing that in my in my mind as a potential direct parallel to what the shamanic cultures are calling entity attachment and da da da. And I'm, that's not even to say that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as like spirits, you know, whether good or bad, because, you know that doesn't necessarily negate that the bacteria could simply be a a physical manifestation of some type of medical metaphysical thing that's, you know, bringing it about or whatever, the same way that the same way that the sun is the physical manifestation of God, because the atoms that make up our body were created via nuclear fusion in the core of the sun. That doesn't mean that there's not some overarching spirit that we call God, which I personally believe is a broadcast signal of pure awareness. But like, uh yeah man anyway yeah. th- that kind of stuff gives me a good reference point and i'm just super fascinated in unifying concepts like spiritual concepts with scientific concepts because like what you were saying earlier you know with the word the word magic that's an interesting word a lot of the time because it really just implies something that we don't understand yet but that we can witness right yeah so uh like yeah I said, totally yeah yeah these are the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Good things to be kept up by, for sure. Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke's famous quote is, uh, any advanced scientific technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, I love that quote. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. as you were talking about you know, the microscopic level, the cellular level, um, and and what this bacteria does and how it – you know, if we're eating a lot of sugar – it's just going to want to perpetuate that. Like it's, it's just, it's naturally baked in incentive system is like, all right, cool. You're taking in sugar. We're bacteria now that thrives on sugar. Give us more sugar. And it seems like as, as, as within, so without as above, so below, it seems like we, we also kind of like are in this feedback loop of creating institutions and entities and governments and corporations that also kind of function in that, in that way, sort of parasitical. Exactly. We're sort of participating in it, but we don't really want to. We know it's not really good for us, but we can't stop. Right. You know, yeah. 
I mean, all we can do, man, in that regard is hope that we are the technology we've been waiting for and that we really are the generation that's going to, you know, put an end to some of these antiquated systems that are clearly causing harm to the entire human race. So, I mean, uh, I hope so, <laughs> certainly. And I, I do think that the ad, the the advent of the psychedelic renaissance being done right this time hopefully it looks like as of now it's being done a lot more right than it was in the 60s yeah but um you know because i mean i i do believe that that is going to facilitate a a grand a grand remembrance of our nature our mission what we're here for but i do think that there's a cap to it also i think that the limitations imposed on the human being and the human condition are the very design of this sphere of reality itself. So yeah. I think that, you know, Alan Watts has a quote, like as we develop more and more powerful microscopic instruments, the universe has to get smaller and smaller in order to escape the investigation. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I think that there's, there's a, there's a very purposeful cap to what we can remember, but that we can remember how to live in harmony and accordance with the natural order of things. And if we don't, we're fucked. That's just, (laughs) that's just how it is, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I think it's all, it's, doesn't it start with like feeling good and not necessarily like, um, uh, instant gratification, satisfaction, or maybe even hedonistic pleasure, which is good. But I think more of a, a a satisfactory, nourishing feeling. Like we've all experienced those feelings in our lives. And like you were saying, when the bacteria wants sugar, the bacteria gets sugar. So it's like we're sort of like on this like automated, conditioned programming. But like a lot of us are like looking over to the side and being like, oh, wait, there's another tunnel over there. There's another ride going on over there. Let me jump on that. Let me switch my diet up. Let me like move to be in more immersed with nature. So there we're sort of like waking up to like knowing, you know, like as Robert Anton Wilson talks about reality tunnels, right? Like we're sort of like being like, oh shit, like I can like pop out of my reality tunnel and notice that there's other options going on. Exactly. Yeah. And simply like having that awareness is new in the grand scheme of things in the last multiple centuries and the industrial revolution and having all this technology at play and da 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 like having that awareness is something that it like we're like just starting to cultivate again so it's going to be really interesting to see how this next decade unfolds as we like try to integrate because having the awareness is one thing integrating it on mass scale collectively is a totally different beast right mm-hmm. and another major major factor that i think i've been realizing like so many people are are largely unaware of how fast this is happening is going to be the integration of machine learning and artificial intelligence over in the next couple of years uh it's we're not 10 15 years out for that to like revolutionize things it's going to happen super fast and it's going to happen even faster on some real approaching the singularity type shit because the machines are going to learn based on their own performance and improve themselves. Uh, so obviously that's what machine learning is. We have these adversarial networks that are testing each other's answers and trying to get it better and better and better until the, the, the checkpoint can't even 
realize that it's been done by an artificial intelligence, right? So um, the, these types of technologies are going to trickle into every aspect of our lives in the next couple of years uh, from, you know, marketing to the metaverse to, I mean, everything, the Internet of Things, all of these things are, are it's it's impossible to conceive what life will look like in five years to me based on the the stuff that I read about machine yeah let's give it let's give it a shot let's give it a shot what do you think because there's so many interesting things you're bringing up here is like machine learning ai we were talking about dna so naturally that brings to mind like CRISPR technology the human genome psychedelics like there's a whole array of things that as you mentioned is happening exponentially fast like just beyond like every day and and this sort of like pandemic time or whatever that we're in here is uh, it, it has also been sort of like an incubation hub for a lot of new things to take off. A lot of people waking up, questioning things, trying trying to do things differently. So with the combination of of people waking up with psychedelic research, with artificial intelligence, with with DNA, the more that we learn about that, yeah, what what would be I guess what would be what yeah what would be like a a version of reality that that we would that you would want to live in and that we would want to live in what would be a good ideal version in like 5 years time what do you think Well Dude that's that's like really impossible to to say <laughs> how, how how you know th- there're infinite possibilities of how it can unfold and like one totally, of my main yeah. points is that like it's very likely that it will unfold as a result of ideas that the machines themselves came up with rather than oh. I, like solutions to problems that the machines come up with rather than that humans come up with that's kind of the whole premise of the situation okay. so but like to your point like all of these things are going to be integrated in some way from CRISPR. CRISPR is a huge like ethical, whoa, should we do that situation, obviously, as it applies to humans. And you can bet your ass it's being done in a hidden fashion, especially in China. But uh, they, I think a few years ago, like put the hard stop on on using it in humans, obviously for the fear of designer babies, people are going to be able to design their kids like a video game character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That gets into like eugenics and stuff, right? Yeah. 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 And super not fair and only accessible to people with cash at first. And you know how that goes. But um, yeah, man, the fact that machine learning is coming up right as the psychedelic renaissance is happening is super interesting to me because like you have this whole technological revolution that is literally the singularity as as for all practical purposes but then we also have this whole remembrance of culture that like truly keeps you connected to the core of what it means to be human and to nature and all of that so they're they're like in a sense polar opposites but I don't think they have to be. I think they just have to be integrated in a very clever way that achieves a certain type of balance to where they can both lift each other up instead of, you know, be at war with each other, those two principles. So I don't I don't know, man, but it, it's going to be integrated into everything, dude, like health. Uh, I mean, the 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 AI is going to be able to, based on your genome, predict certain times. Oh, dude, I was reading this crazy thing the other day. Saying certain times you could get certain illnesses, certain ways that you could die, when, all, dude, all kinds of stuff, way more accurate diagnoses. I don't think people realize how often, I certainly didn't until I was reading these statistics, how often 
people are misdiagnosed with like mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And uh the so you know it's going to really help in that regard and apparently the you know the medical field is super stoked on that obviously. And yeah, I read a couple of years ago, I don't know I don't know if it's still in that position or not, but a medical error was the third leading cause of death in yeah. the United States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That type of stuff. It was like craziness. I was just like, man, so and, and Dude, from driving to travel to the way that we utilize technology. I mean, it's, I think 2023 was the most recent date that I read for Neuralink being FDA approved for human use. So obviously that's going to bring up like, no doubt. I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine, like no doubt I would definitely put that in my head if I couldn't walk and it might give me a chance of walking again, which is what it's going to be used for spinal injuries at first. Amazing. But you know, we're no doubt going to move towards a brain to computer interface because as Elon Musk was saying, like we have access to all of human knowledge in our pockets at all time, but it's the data transfer rate. That's the problem. It has really terrible bandwidth because we have to intentionally go and search for a bit of information or whatever, and like download it by consciously reading it and whatever. And then what they're trying to achieve with a brain, to compute computer interfaces up that data transfer rate. So your brain would have like access to the cloud. That's, I mean, that we're talking about like existential fundamental changes and what it means to be a human being. And I think these questions are going to have to get answered soon because we have a tendency to, when we have a technology, use it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't use it, well, he is. So what kind of advantages does that give this person in literally every aspect of life? I mean, are we going to be downloading information like Neo and the Matrix when they plug them in and download Kung Fu? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to necessarily work to that degree, but that's what they're aiming for. And man, it's like I said, dude, the next decade is going to be a wild roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And with with every advancement, there, it, there's always uh, a shadow side. There's always... Um, totally. You know, there's there's a double edged sword kind of thing that comes along with a lot of it because with a lot of innovative uh, technology, there also comes like, hey, can we use that in the military? Can we use that in space? Mm-hmm. Can we use that? What you know? So you know, a lot of people have, have talked about this before, but I think that it's really, really going to be very important for us. You know, those of us that can make an influence to suggest a little bit more balance to to totally. lead with a little bit more balance so that our consciousness can be evolved enough to handle the technology. And we're not just, you know, going to blow ourselves up. Exactly. And I mean, that's, you know, that's probably why the psychedelics are resurfacing at the same time as this. Yeah. Like, here's a test. You fail, you explode, you pass, <laughs> you live in harmony maybe for a little bit till the next flood or comet smokes you. You know what I mean? Like another thing that I didn't mention too was nanobots, like nanobot, drugs um Mm. they're talking about being able to create technologies nanotechnologies that have binding affinity at different selective receptor subsites that could essentially mimic the effects of a drug based on its programming any drug so for example if you you know program a serotonin 2a antagonist that's the mechanism of action of just about every classical psychedelic so like what i'm gonna eat some robots, some little nano robots, and I'm going to, 
like be on drugs all of a sudden. It's, I mean, th- like I said, these are things that we, it's so hard to even comprehend or fathom yeah. you know, before we witness it. But it's like, man, this the smartest people in the world are you know telling us how quickly this is coming so it's like people need should like listen <laughs> to them you yeah know? you mentioned you br- briefly mentioned uh the metaverse yep. are you it, have any interest in that or knowledge about that at all that you want to um, talk about i mean i'm and been invested in it for a while but um that's gonna be a super weird one too for example and that's why a lot of these things need to be regulated before they come out. Like I've never been so pro regulation on shit for AI and for the metaverse, because for example, if social media companies are allowed to retain your data, this is one of the arguments right now is that they need to have like a very finite amount of time. They can retain your data in the metaverse because there's, there's no rule or very lax rules in that regard for like regular computer usage on social media. But if they're allowed to retain your data for a while, what they can do is have avatars that like NPCs basically that are inseparable from another real player in the metaverse, like to your perception, you won't even be able to tell it's not a real person and they will come sell you and pitch you on a product or thing so cleverly you will have no clue you're being pitched so the data for example is stuff like let's say you like you know women with like blue eyes and brown hair and this body type and you know like whatever they've already profiled your type what you're attracted to what kind of guy whether what kind of girl you know and that will be the 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 ai will design this avatar based on your likes it will give it a voice based on you know people close to you or whatever and will come and just very slickly use relatable language that it has a gazillion records of you using and your syntax and how you speak so immediately this is a befriendable character who is you know smooth talking basically and is going to pitch you in a way that i mean you've never been pitched before it just doesn't work like that when you're usually you know something is an ad or you know whatever so if there are no rules in that regard set out ahead of time like you can be certain this will be how advertisement works in the metaverse Mm. because the corporations are legally able to do it they will do it because it's going to be more effective than any other form of advertisement in history according to the opinions of some people that i was reading that yeah uh, yeah yeah space that that kind of brings into the question for me what is real and why does it matter (laughs) Well, I mean, dude, the answer to that question is super deep. You mentioned Robert Ann Wilson. Have you read The Cosmic Trigger? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a that's a good intro into the the nature of reality being only a mental construct. It's a 3D projected hologram developed by our brain based on data input to our sensory organs filtered through our thalamus, which is the eye of Horus sent out to other areas of the brain that make a composite based on your sensory perceptual abilities neurologically and a composite of the emotional experiences that you've had in the past and your limbic system and then your neocortex and your limbic system team up together and create a three-dimensional hologram that has an emotional attachment to it simultaneously in real time so what is real (laughs) 
nothing <laughs> i mean right, what does the word real right mean there. yeah what's reality <laughs> and then you just throwing it down like that <laughs> yeah yeah dude wow wow uh wow yeah <laughs> i mean that's 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 ultimate truth um you know there are very few things that i experience or know to be like an ultimate truth or especially a self-evident truth like for example the experience elicited by 5-MeO-DMT is a self-evident truth which is very rare almost impossible to find through the use of language but you know very rare to have even experientially and that experience in particular to me is a self-evident truth there's no need for visual context like there is in the in the case of regular NMDMT. Um, and, you know, the the notion that that we all emanate from this one source signal of consciousness is absolutely given to you as a self-evident truth. But anyway, the fact that that we generate reality in the way that I just described is an ultimate truth. That's that's what's happening every as Robert Aaron Wilson said. You know, we see things as solid, but science only finds webs of dancing energy. Like, mm -hmm. that's literally the case. And as we get more and more deep into quantum mechanics, shit just gets weirder and weirder and makes no sense. Uh, mm -hmm. was one of, the, one of the first, I can't remember his name, but he said, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics. I love that <laughs> yeah. quote. Because it's like, yeah. shit is so weird, dude. And uh, yeah. nothing nothing exists as we as we perceive it right this is all data points that's why it's impossible like we are literally slaves to our perceptual organs to the design of our perceptual organs for example it is written in our dna that our ears will only respond to frequencies from about 10 hertz to 20 kilohertz right that's embedded in our code. It's not all that's possible. It's embedded in our DNA. It is therefore part of the human condition, the limitations that design this sphere of reality for humans, right, on this planet. That's part of it. Our eyes can only see from red to violet, the spectrum that we call visible light, which is the tiniest sliver of the electromagnetic spectrum in which we are embedded in. There, there are so many electromagnetic waves that are happening at different frequencies that we simply don't see, right? I mean, there's Wi-Fi beaming through in front of my face right now. And, uh, but yeah, and these are part of the limitations. Majority of dolphins communication happens at, in the range of like 200,000 Hertz, like 200 kilohertz. Like we can't even un like begin to conceive how they're transmitting information. We know them to be unbelievably intelligent. So they're communicating on much deeper than some kind of surface level, right? Um, and like, it's just crazy. I've always wanted to see through the eyes of a bee or an insect that can, that we know can perceive ultraviolet radiation. Cause like, what's mm -hmm. that like? We'll never know. Like, that's one thing we will never know. I can't even know if orange to me looks like it does to you. Right. We can agree. We can come to consensus that we're both looking at orange because that's been orange our whole lives, but I cannot communicate experientially what the color orange is. This is this is these are the direct effects of the fact that we are creating this reality with with within our brains you know based mm. on the data around us the yeah. data the data may be objective maybe but our experience of it is totally subjective mm -hmm. yeah yeah i have a t i have a tendency to believe that everything is just vibrating and we're like and we're co-creating it and putting it together uh yeah there's a verse in one of in in one of your songs co-creative sensory psychosensory yeah yeah 
psychosensory co-creative space-time coordinates. I love her. That's Juliet Carter of The Template. Uh, I spoke with her recently. She wanted me to make some more music with her vocals, but she uses language unlike anyone that I've ever heard, even Terrence McKenna. Like Her gift of language is mind-blowing to me and uh, really, really love that sample. Like I was saying, self-evident truths are very rare, especially in language. She is just like pouring them out all the time because what she says is is uh a self-evident truth i mean that's that's what we are boiled down to very articulate language right psychosensory co-creative space-time coordinates yeah series of uh, electromagnetic exchange da 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 like yeah she's mind-blowing dude it's impactful it's it's so impactful that when you think about that we have Currently, right now in the uh, in our human uh, language in English, we have twenty six letters that point to sounds, vibrations that we rearrange in a particular way. And depending upon how well you can rearrange those to convey the thing that you're sensing, feeling, observing, that's how impactful that you f- the the re- delivery of that and the f- and the receiving of that feels. It's exactly. mind blowing. Exactly, exactly. That's why I find like multilingual people so interesting. I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine while I was in Mexico. She speaks super fluent Spanish. Just like flipping that switch in your brain, like even in just your internal narrative, it it fundamentally changes your experience of reality. Mm-hmm. To, to be able even syntactically like for example the syntaxes are so different that like even just in spanish versus english which are very similar syntactically in spanish you you identify the thing and then you describe the thing so instead of red table it's like table red right in english we always go for the description of the thing first and then describe the thing now this much like in audio production, it changes the signal flow of things. Like in audio production, it's different if you put a compressor before an EQ versus an EQ before a compressor, right? It changes your signal chain of how you're processing reality in ways that probably have subconscious consequences, if I were to guess. Um, But yeah, and then there are other languages that don't syntactically uh, that aren't syntactically compatible, like Hebrew and English. This is why all the translations of the Bible are so just like wrong, basically. Mm. Uh, the, there are some that just aren't cross compatible. And there are some, as Terrence McKinney used to talk about, that present their meaning as imagery, as direct imagery, which is also a totally fundamentally different. Like, think about hieroglyphs and shit like that. Yeah. It just like, your language that's why i find the whole notion of the the splitting of the tongues thing so interesting right because at some time it certainly happened whether it was at the hand of someone something or whatever it definitely happened so uh but yeah i agree Wait, what are you referring to the splitting of the tongues the notion that at some point in history everyone spoke the same language oh and, right and right. then and then it was t- like karate chopped and all of a sudden everybody speaks you know we're, we're like not cross compatible all of a sudden and it, it, it that spawns different entirely different cultures who have different yeah. experiences of reality like, right that's how i find like i wish i was multilingual man like I, I really do and uh i find people who are multilingual so interesting because of that they can just flip that switch it's so interesting to me 
Yeah. I think there was a study done. I'm not sure, but I remember something vaguely about a study being done about when people, multilingual people, when they switch, that there's some significant change in like who they actually are, that they're actually a different person when they're speaking in that language. Yeah. Because like you were just saying, like it invents the word logos, invents culture, invents these symbols, these, they carry vibrations. It, 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 it creates reality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I find, um, I find Hebrew and Sanskrit in particular to be extraordinarily interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're one of those languages or two of those languages that like kind of present themselves as imagery and have, they have variables within the language. Like I, I understand the syntax of them just cause I've read a lot about it. I couldn't fathom that I'd be able to actually learn to speak it. Like, I don't, I don't know. It seems like crazy, but, uh, but I, I kind <laughs> yeah. of understand what makes them special to so many people. Yeah. And, uh, I went on a, a long journey trying to understand that because on the solstice of 2014, I had my first of a series experience. That's why my album is called solstice, by the way, but at the beginning of a series of experience, this is where I was experiencing this language and these entities were showing me this language and it was plastered on everything. Years later, now I know that a good handful of people experienced this language Alison Gray has tried to recreate it through her mm-hmm. like secret language. Secret thing. language. It yeah. doesn't look like that, but it's kind of close. Mm-hmm. But I was convinced at first that it was Hebrew. So I started reading all this stuff about Hebrew. I got some linguistics books and like trying to figure out like, well, how? Because I mean, I had a crazy experience. And uh I came like to realize after experiencing more, well, like it's not, it's not Hebrew. By the way, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are directly correlated with the 22 amino acids that we spoke about earlier. There's, there are numerous reasons for this. And there's actually been college research done on it as well. They were even grouped in the same way that the Hebrew letters are grouped. It's super Mm. trippy. But, but I found I found that Hebrew wasn't really compatible with what I was seeing. There was like extra characters and symbols and stuff. And and it also looked like Sanskrit sometimes. So I'm like, what is this? And the closest thing visually that I've found to it is called the Khmer alphabet, K-H-M-E-R, which mm-hmm. is what the mm-hmm. magical tattoos, Sakyans are done in. That, that, you know, that language is, is said to have like magical qualities to it or whatever. But, um, I mean, you know, the the logical conclusion I can draw is that this language that we're experiencing in this space, because it seems to be the same language that everyone I talk to experiences based on our descriptions, at least. Remember, we can't directly convey experience, but it seems this way. I would imagine that it's some type of primordial language that has something to do with our genetics, for sure, that uh, from which Hebrew and Sanskrit and some of these earlier languages were derived, but they're not carbon clone copies. They were derived from it. Um, probably because we can't carbon clone copy it, but it seems to be the language of the subconscious mind or of junk DNA itself or, you know, whatever, but super interesting. Yeah, definitely. I've had that experience as well. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I had a, I had a very profound experience, uh, in an ayahuasca ceremony where I just was speaking. I, I, I typically have, uh, or I've had, and, and I have, I've, I've, I've had a lot of like vocal experiences, uh, and language. And in, in that particular ayahuasca ceremony, I remember just speaking a lot of these things. Like it was just like, uh, 
uh, like, I don't know, just like coming out and like kind of like more like, like, like type of like quality to them too. And, um, and then like someone gave me a book called like Egypt and the flower of life or something. And I saw some of the the words and I was like, oh shit. And then it, it was shown to be, I think, Sanskrit. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was just in an ayahuasca ceremony where I like randomly stood up and started <laughs> convulsing and and singing in Sanskrit. I was like, all right, well, that's pretty cool. And yeah. I've, had, I've had many other experiences too, actually, that connect with with Egypt and with language and with the secret language like you were talking about, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it just seem it seems to be to me, uh, triggering maybe some kind of like epigenetic, like memory or exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, wake up, remember this shit. We're going there again. That's, that's, (laughs) that's what I was talking about earlier in the pod is about the tryptamines directly interfacing you with what we call junk DNA with that non-coding genetic material that holds some type of story memory uh whether like i said whether it's past life whether it's lineage or whatever like your generational memories or perhaps just the memories of all the other times your soul has incarnated here or whatever um dna is very clearly the physical medium through which some type of metaphysical magnetic consciousness is translated into physical being right there's no argument to that so I mean, it would it would be so. I mean, it's a logical fallacy to even assume that all of that material, if it, when it makes up you know ninety nine plus percent, is is useless. It and it seems like I said that you're interfacing with it. So like, and it follows that law of language. Remember, so like it it and I've had that glossolalia experience that you just described numerous times also, and it is very real. It is not just you're just like making random noises. The shamans say that 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 is nature uttering itself through you, mm. and that is a, just a such a like profoundly sacred experience when it happens to me because it's not just my mouth moving making sounds. There's there something's happening in my whole system mm-hmm. where I'm interfacing mm-hmm. with something, and it's and I'm like yeah. interacting with something that I feel in my core is making a change in me. Right? I'm sure mm-hmm. that you have a similar experience. And yeah, it's so interesting, man. Like I said, some of these some of these things are 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 things that are just so intuitive and built from the subconscious wirings of our brains that I'm not sure we'll ever develop a conscious full understanding of them. I hope we do. Cool, but I'm you know I'm cool with it if not, because when you're in that space, it's so real, profound, and you understand. Which, by the way, like when I'm deep in medicine space, I understand this language when I see it visually. Yeah. I read it like a book, and it's crazy yeah. because each symbol contains so much information. It's like each character is a paragraph. It's not a mm-hmm. letter, which is mm-hmm. mind-boggling every time I'm yeah. here. That's why I got so obsessed with it, was trying to figure out what language this is. Da da da. And uh, yeah, but it's. You know, that space is just so real and allows us to truly rewire our subconscious patterns and programming and stuff. And that's something that's really special. And I think that that's why these things used properly really do have the the ability to, like, put us on the right path as a species, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Psychedelics yeah. and theogens, sacred earth yeah. medicines, they're technologies, yeah, you know? Totally. And, um, totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, and and I mean exactly. They're they're molecular technologies, and we always think of technology as some kind of silicone based thing or whatever. In fact, this shit's been under our nose for tens of thousands of years or millions of years, honestly. The you know the mycelium and in, in psilocybin mushrooms and the genetic lineage of the mushrooms and mycelium has been collecting data about the planet for billions of years, reproducing itself, containing that data within its genome. You're interfacing with it, potentially its genome, you know, when you, when you ingest them and each of these things has such a unique story to tell and like pieces, bits of data to integrate into our system that we might not even be consciously aware of, but like, obviously like it, it's it's rewiring people in a in a favorable way most of the time, like overwhelming majority of the time. So, yeah, I would say that you know that we're we sometimes we reach the limits of language, right? And I think that totally. like you know we're doing a podcast right now, we're talking about all this stuff. It's fucking fascinating. You're a wealth of knowledge, my friend. Uh, just amazing, and I can't help but think that like there's a rewiring that happens. Like when I first listened to your music, like I was like, like, this is it. (laughs) Like this is, this is what it is. Like this is, this is it. Um, I feel that you're saying something through your music. Maybe you don't even know what the, what it is in linguistic terms, but there is like, you were talking about the frequency, the Hertz, like the, there's something happening there that harkens me back to that just makes me feel fucking great. Like I feel aligned and in tune. And so there's like, there's information being delivered in that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what is, what's special to you about the the process and like what you put out and, you know, just considering all the stuff that you're fascinated about, I can't help but think that it like gets transmitted in like a vibratory way or something. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, at least that's what I intend to do. And like, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> glad that my album was so well received. I mean, it changed yeah. my life when I released that music. It was like, it's connected me with like true soul family And, uh, you know, totally was just like shooting my soul up in a flare gun and like people, people who like they came to me, you know, which was great because largely in my community that I was in, I I was pretty much like an anomaly for all intents and purposes. And not a lot of people were interested in these kinds of things around me. And so, but I mean, I didn't care. I was still doing my thing and just obsessively researching everything. And finally, like people who I can share with through my music uh and i mean like you're saying linguistically like that's that's what i intend to do is to create a linguistic pattern of sound that that translates and transmits an understanding and a unification of cultures and kind of breaks down cultural barriers and barriers of like time and lineage right so like i just do so by incorporating like elements little elements from a gazillion different cultures and studying the instruments and using them and just like putting it all together, but also making it accessible in a dance format to where it's, I mean, that kind of the trick of the trade and what I'm trying to do here is make music that I can, you know, play on a dance floor, but also play during ceremony and and it's compatible with both. And uh, I think that album did a good job of doing that. I'm working on some, new stuff i think is going to do a even better job of doing that and uh yeah i mean but totally i mean i'm definitely imbuing this stuff with intention and to be honest like every every one of those tracks on that album i 
made the skeleton of in medicine space. Mm-hmm. So like that is, you know, a direct channeling of, well, you know, whatever state of consciousness I was in for that and making and finishing a track for me is parallel to the psychedelic and integration process because I'll be in a, in a psychedelic space, but I, I only do like right brain shit while I'm in that space. Right. I try to not touch my computer and I'm just flowing on my stuff hit record, start throat singing. Like it was just pure flow for my track solstice, that throat singing lick. I just pressed record and that just came out. I wasn't thinking about it or anything that in the Mayo and Maya, you know, I was just yeah. boom. And I was like, fuck, that's it. All right. And so I'll lay like the skeleton of a track out while I'm in that space, but I'm like not really capable of like audio engineering and like doing the, the whole bunch of little bitty things that all add up and the little polishing and stuff. So over the coming weeks, which is the parallel part to integration, like you, you, you go into medicine and then you integrate it sober over the coming weeks. So, I mean, that's how my process works. I'll get in the medicine, make a skeleton of a track. And then over the coming weeks sober, I do all the polishing work. And I take that idea, that spark of creation that came out, channeled through me during that space and I'll polish it using my whole brain like logic and all that i'm like okay like this is a spark like how do i refine it right and then i mean that's kind of how my process works yeah awesome yeah Yeah. that's that that flow state yeah getting into that flow state and and riding the wave and and being like fuck man i guess i'm the vessel for this shit come through (laughs) but you could feel it you know and like i'd love to i'd love to hear you play live i haven't yet but it was just like through you could feel it you could feel you could feel that like wow this is like this is real deal medicine influence space like some other some other kind of shit coming through here but also super familiar ancient future baby there it is (laughs) it's like but it's just so great man i mean I, i i'm a huge fan of music um i i not really I'm not a musician at all. Uh, I could play a couple instruments from time to time and like jam a little bit in the drum circle or something. But when I hear something like the stuff that you're putting out, I'm just like, man, this is, this is, this is special. This is different. This is, yeah, there's, there's something, there's some depth or essence. Like, again, I'm not a music critic or anything like that, but there's just something else there. While I listen to other people that are sort of in a similar type of, arena that they just don't really fully capture it as well and so whatever you're doing keep doing it because it's awesome and yeah we're we're all loving it all the people that have been exposed to to what you're putting out there man you're you're uh you're really changing things thank you man big positive influence for change yeah i really like so deeply appreciate that i don't even i hope everybody understands because like like i said when i put this out like i had no clue it was going to be so well well received like at all when people started saying the stuff they were saying about it how deeply they were able to connect because obviously i connected with it because i felt like for the first and i've been producing music for 15 plus years and that album I felt like for the first time, like was the first thing that like truly captured my soul. I made that for me. I didn't make that with the intention of like what I thought people wanted to hear or whatever. And as an artist, when you finally have a piece of polished art that you feel like that literally is my identity in these tracks, my experiences, my identity, like everything, 
when other people started to know that, just like feel it like you're describing and like would tell me that, it was like blowing my mind. I was like, holy shit. Like it really, I was really able to capture something that's like a, a, a my true soul and put this into music and people actually pick up on that. And that's what, you, you know, I encourage all music producers to do now is like, man, don't create what you think people want to hear because there's a grand irony in this situation because when you make music for yourself and capture your identity without those kinds of thoughts that's what people resonate with the most you it's it's counterintuitive but it's true Mm -hmm. universally Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i appreciate yeah don't try and be you either right and like even for you, like, don't try and be the you that you were last time that you hit. Totally. You know, it's like, it's a constant, like letting go, constant, like reinventing. And that is really, truly where the magic comes. Cause when you, when you put that out there and I'm, and I'm hearing it, I'm like, oh man, like he's like, he's taking me back to like experiences I've had and like truths that I've discovered. And like, there is this like sort of you know, if it is good for you, it's good for a lot of other people too. Like it's, it's a uh, solstice and, and soul, exactly. you know, in a way, yeah. like, you know, it's like resonating, it's, it's connecting. So right, yeah, right. man. Yeah, yeah. People make the connection to like souls, this, when they're kind of saying the same stuff that you're saying about, and just like, because that, you know, my intention was that that music was a reflection of not just our current society's soul as a human, but all of humanity in past, present, future, that these are fundamental, you know, characteristics and frequencies of the human condition, right? Like, that's what I'm like trying to transmit. And uh, yeah, man. And, you know, I just, there's something also really cool. And that's the ancient future aspect of taking organic sound sources flutes and handpans and shit and chacapas i got a i got all kind of little rattles and leaf shakers and little frog things and da 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 and Mm. super organic sound sources and then digitally manipulating them and and making them crazy with modern production techniques and you can kind of tell the story of going from ancient to the future by beginning with the fully organic version and just the beautiful version and then you start fucking it up right like glitching it out and just like that that gives that vibration of like going from the past to the future you know so yeah for sure man yeah and you're you're a great translator you're a great bridge for that even before in the podcast when you were talking about the peptides and and everything like you broke that down in a way using your own language in a way that is easily understandable and i think that that is that's how we create that bridge from ancient you know to future and like it's like can we bring this down to a level where people are understanding it? You know, yeah. cause it's like, yeah. Like some of the guys that, you know, we're talking about Robert, I mean, Robert Anton Wilson. I mean, he's, he's got some easily digestible things, but some of his books are so dense and like Rick Strassman and you know, this guy, Andrew Gallimore that I had on the podcast. Like, Oh, it, you it, had him. Awesome. Yeah. He's dope, man. I love him. He's, yeah. he's the best. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it gets pretty heavy, but gets pretty dense, pretty technical. But when you're able to break it down, you know, and, 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 and explain it like the way that you did, that's the, yeah, that's what's needed, I guess. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. sort of like almost like being in like a, a teacher role. That's, you know? that's, like, that's what I'm super passionate about. And I'm really just like vocally communicating my own path to understanding complex information and my own 
analogies and metaphors. I'm really just like vocalizing my own thought process when I'm when I'm relaying it to someone. But like for me and for everyone, like you're saying, it's super and like anyone can make something super complex. But what what's productive is to make it simple, like you were saying. So like when you do that and usually utilizing a lot of metaphor and analogy is like the tipping point most of the time depending on the subject matter but like thinking like just reframing things because a lot of like biology stuff triggers this like school complex bunch of vocabulary i might not know like feeling in people cognitively whereas like when you can take it i mean like i was talking about i love using the analogy of dna 3d printing us into being because it's exactly what it's doing but people right. know what a 3D printer is. You might not know what a ribosome transcription translation and the other facets of DNA of genetics being translated into proteins and protein folding and all that is, but you don't have to. You just have to understand the overarching concept and then it becomes interesting. And then people who find it interesting may go off and do more research. Having that framework, they may go do more research and try to get to the deeper levels of it if they find it interesting. If not, oh well. But now you have a new framework to understand DNA. So, I mean, but yeah, that that that's... I'm like so equally passionate about finding articulations, like simple articulations for complex subject matter as I am about making music. It's just, it's like, I just have a never ending, like, dude, it's like a blessing and a curse, like a never ending thirst for knowledge and understanding things. Oh yeah. Like under, like not just like knowing them, like understanding them is two totally different things. And there's so many things that I know I'll, spend the rest of my life trying to understand probably won't make it there but it's still like just a fun life path for me to try to break these things down because life gets mundane otherwise man like we're creatures of habit and our brain builds tolerance to things the same way to circumstances the same way it builds tolerance to drugs and things that are otherwise fascinating become boring to us as we get used to them so it requires yeah. the development of new frameworks to bypass the boredom, right? And like mm-hmm. remembering, like my ultimate goal of the subject matter that I'm interested in is like remembering just how fucking magical it is that I am this conscious creature on this fucking floating rock through space and I'm in this such an able-bodied meat suit. I'm so capable of so many things. And like, it's just so easy to forget that. And just, you know, I think that's a major cause for depression and everything. Just forgetting the magical nature of simply being alive. It's so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's, um, it sounds like you are in right in the midst of, you know, right where you need to be. And I, cause I, I, I resonate with what you just said. And I feel that as I get older, the more experiences I have, the more I learn through experiences and, and wisdom gained from those experiences and the integration and embodiment of those things, I kind of, I get a little quieter sometimes. Like I'm a little like, you know, if you've ever been in the presence of like a master shaman or, or someone who's really skilled, they're, they're not, they're usually not the ones that are just blabbering like about exactly. and just shooting their, you know, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they're sitting on some shit. And yeah. they're they're gonna make you get curious and figure it out, you yeah. know, for yourself. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what what we're all learning how to do here, especially me and you right now, just talking about this, like the the balance, the remembrance, and um, what you yeah, just and the, said and the is, integration. is paramount. Like what you just said is paramount. Like as far as 
sitting on it to let you figure it out. That goes back to what I was just saying about the difference in knowing and understanding. If you've come to a conclusion yourself, the framework behind that conclusion and the whole thought process that led you there is concreted in the synapses in your brain way more than if I just give you some fact and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, and that's 100%. why those that know don't speak often because the you know, they speak just enough to give you a spark to, to get there yourself, you know, it's mm. way more productive that way. Thanks for sharing your spark today, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like there's a, there's, 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 we just like scratched like the, the top of the surface here with what I'm sensing is like the depth of what, of what's going on with you. So (laughs) I'd love to do it again sometime in the future. Let's, let's stay in touch. Tell people where they could find you and and where they should go. Um, My music is available on all platforms, uh, you know, wherever you like to listen to music, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple music, whatever. You can also go to my website, savagemusic.com. It's S-A-V-E-J music.com. Um, you can also check out these really cool 3d printed levitating oversole planters that I make, uh, really cool. We can check those out. It's like a, a levitating planter comes with an air plant. that has got seven faces on it and it spins 24 seven. Uh, it's really cool. You can Google oversole planter and it was, it's the first thing that pops up, but, uh, I saw yeah. that that looks sick. Yeah, by the way they're yeah. really cool it took me months to like figure that one out but yeah i print them in like pearlescent filament that like it looks fake uh especially the the mystic green one it looks like a hologram just because it's like pearlescent and it's just so perfectly 3d printed and it just spins with a plan is they're super trippy everybody's been enjoying them which has been great i just do it like because i thought it was cool i don't like make crazy money on it or anything like that yeah i, just, yeah. I just thought it was really cool but it is cool yeah so but uh, yeah, anywhere you listen to music, you can find me. It's S-A-V-E-J. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. And uh, yeah, please go check them out, folks. I, if it, well, th- this will be the end of the podcast. Then I'll ask you some questions. Okay. <laughs> we're going to talk when we, when we stop this podcast. We got probably a couple minutes that we're just going to talk, but you guys aren't going to be able to, to hear it. But, bo- but you know. <laughs> You're going to be excited to uh, to be around next time. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, totally. Much love, everyone. Peace. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Uh, if you did, please show your love in any way that you can. Share it with people. Tell people about it. Go on Spotify. Click five stars. Go to Apple Podcasts. Click five stars. Write a little something. It makes me feel good about myself. Boost my ego a little bit. Please, I need it. And, uh, yeah, consider joining the Patreon. There's a lot of cool stuff that's going on on the Patreon. I'm announcing the next solo cast. But right now you get early release episodes like this one that are ad-free, commercial-free, immediate release, and uh, a lot of other cool things. The Mycadelic Inner Sanctum Discord, connecting people from all around the world. But announcements coming soon on a solo podcast. Uh, with, that, with that, just have a good weekend. Love everybody. Tell the truth. We're all just walking each other home steal other people's quotes and just claim that they're yours it doesn't matter uh we we all it's if (laughs) i love you all thank you till next time much love peace